Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 672 for February 20th, 2021. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Barb Bouchatz with a new supplemental episode of the long-running series, Taming the Terminal. I believe we're on installment 37A. Is that what we're going to call it, Bart? 37 plus, 37 bonus. 37 enhanced. I supplemental kind of seems to be the right thing because we're not going to replace the bulk of the installment. So the bulk of the installment remains the same because it's about the concept in general. What's changed is Apple's exact implementation of the concept. And I recently got a new Mac in work and found myself reading my own instructions because, well, that's how it works, because you don't remember mm-hmm. things once you've written them down. My brain just goes, I know where that is. I'll go fetch it next time I need it. <laughs> and I didn't like what I found. I was like, this is, this is out of date. This is, this, is not, this is not good. So I figured the notes needed rewriting. And if the notes needed rewriting, then surely the episode needed updating. So this is a supplemental that's going to just redo the Mac bit. So we're not replacing installment 37. We're just tweaking the Mac bit so people can listen to the original and then listen to this for a little update, like a little little bonus update, you know, in breaking news. Here's what's changed. Okay, and if we've done this correctly... And this is the first time you're hearing Taming the Terminal, and you've been going through chronological order. You should be hearing this immediately after episode 37. Yes. But if you're listening to the the entire Chit Chat Across the Pond feed, you're going to hear 37 supplemental after 40, 40. I think. Yeah. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That is correct, because 40 is where the series stands as we recorded this. So we recorded, so the original 37 was recorded in 2015, and we're recording this in 2021. So okay, so a little, years. little, what is it? Weebly wobbly timey wimey? Is that the way you say Yay! it? That's, yes, <laughs> for all Doctor Who fans out there. Weebly wobbly timey wimey. Yes. So all we're actually right. going to be even more wibbly wobbly timey wimey because while I was editing show notes, I also went back to, uh, was it 30? I think it was installment 30, got a teensy veensy little tweak as well. Um, basically, Apple improved some of their other SSH related stuff. So. Let's um, let's just start actually by giving a quick recap of um, sort of where we're fitting into the series here. So in installment 30, we learned about the concept of using SSH keys to more securely um, SSH. So when we first met SSH, we just used a username and password. But SSH actually supports these public-private keys. And so the keys come as a pair. And there's no difference between the two, apart from the fact that we arbitrarily choose to give one the name public key and the other one the name private key. And very importantly, we then treat them differently. They're not different in their substance, but they're different in their treatment. So we never, ever, 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 ever give away our private key. Ever. And we give away our public key at the drop of a hat. We share it with gay abandon to anyone who'd like it. So when I did a nuke and pave and I needed to move a whole bunch of the dot files over to my new Mac, I put them all in in Dropbox. And then I went, hang on. 
and I bund- I uh, zipped up my public private key pair and put a password on it, a long, Aww. strong password, and then put it back in. Great. Fantastic. After that's I did brilliant. it, I was like, oh, that's really dumb. That's the worst thing. You know, let me put it on a, on a public server somewhere. <laughs> Now, obviously, your 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 one your not OneDrive. I'm, I'm in work mode still. Obviously, um, your your Dropbox is obviously not public, so you're trusting Dropbox's security there. So it's not great, but it's not catastrophic compared right. to. Right, I thought you'd be proud of me for. I'm very proud that I should do better. Yeah, no, that's that's extremely cool. So the big advantage when you use public-private key pairs is that you keep the private key on your computer, the one you're SSHing from. And any computer that you that wants to grant you access, it just puts your public key into the authorized key file, and then you can SSH in. Without a username or password, you're just using your private key to authenticate yourself. And this is, you know, if I want to grant you temporary access to my server, I can just temporarily put your public key into my authorized keys file, and then you can SSH in. Um, you can have 10 people SSHing to the same username without them all having to share a password. I can then individually control your access to the same user account. So if there was some sort of special FTP account or something, I could give 10 people access with 10 different keys. And then when one of them leaves, I could revoke just the one key, even though it's technically still the same username been used. It's you know, Interesting. quite powerful. Okay, I, never thought of th- I never thought of it from the admin side. Yeah. So it's something I do an awful lot with my work head on is managing the keys that get access to things. It's it's very powerful. And a key is a lot longer than a password. So brute forcing one of these keys is age of the universe stuff, whereas a lot of people use the password monkey. And that's not so secure. (laughs) (laughs) So they don't have a choice when you do this. Correct. Your key is the key length is determined by the SSH app. And the SSH app does not allow for bad keys, which is good of them. (laughs) It is a secure shell, after all. Now, you can take your security up a level by not storing your private key in plain text. So by default, your private key will be stored in plain text. But you can give your private key a passphrase. And then you have a passphrase protecting a big, long cryptographic key protecting your SSH connections. And so the passphrase is a little bit of extra security because it means that if someone did get their hands on your on your private key file, they don't fully have your private key yet. They also need your password before they can make use of your private key. Oh, I'm glad you clarified that. I've always looked at that going, well, how secure is that? It's just got a password on it. It's this big, long key, but if I've got a regular password, then anybody can get to it. But it's the other way around. Well... It's not quite the other way around, right? So you should you should do your best to protect your private key as if it was in plain text. Mm-hmm. But your suspenders to go with your belt is the fact that if you put a password on it, even if you mess up and someone does get their hands on the key, you have another layer of protection, which is that password. And if that password is monkey, then it's not a very good second layer of protection. <laughs> but if you have a strong password, then it most certainly is a good extra layer of protection. Okay, and I've got it buried in one password with a really wicked long password. Yeah, exactly. And if you have it in one password, then you're even better off. Layers upon layers. Yeah. Now, when you're doing all of this public key stuff, something you need to do quite often is send a copy of your public key to a server. Right? right. So let's say you go to DigitalOcean, you make a new droplet for yourself because someone decided to kill CentOS and we're all going to have to do big server updates in the next year. 
Uh, can't imagine who that's going to happen to. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, well, we first get our new droplet, we're going to want to copy our public key up there. So we could manually do that, and then we'd have to very carefully name the file, and we'd have to very carefully set the file permissions on the authorised keys file, because SSH is extremely picky about the permissions on those key files. If the permissions are too open, SSH will refuse to use the key because hypothetically it could be compromised. If the, oh, if that's it, interesting. That's built into it. It's built into OpenSSH. is extremely picky. It's basically, it's like, no, this is secure shell and God darn it, you're going to be secure whether you like it or not. So <laughs> to help with that, there's an SSH command called ssh-copy-id. And its job is to correctly upload your public key to a server and set all the permissions for you so that everything just works. Okay. And when we last did this, when we first, in 2015, the Mac was missing that SSH feature. It just didn't exist on the Mac. It existed on the Linux versions of OpenSSH, but not on the Mac version because Apple was behind. Hmm. Apple have caught up. Okay, so we good. we now have ssh-copy-id by default on our Mac. Now, in the previous installment, we uh, uh, the initial version of this installment, there actually was a workaround which involved um, installing some stuff from a Git repository. Well, it's right. e- if you're using an older version of the Mac and you don't yet have SSH copy ID, you now have three really nice ways to get it. So I've updated the original post to include the fact that it's now in Homebrew and Mac ports, and it's still on GitHub. So if you're an old version of the Mac, you can now more easily get SSH copy ID. And when we say old version, as of the moment that we're speaking, the current version is uh, Big Sur. Is Big Sur. Older versions would be pre-Sierra? Is that right? Did, did I did I did I did I remember to write it into the show notes? Did I figure out what version it was that arrived in updates? This section updated reflect the fact that ten point eleven L cap is the last version not to have it. Okay. That's a very difficult way of putting it, but if you're on L cap or older, C- okay, L cap or older, then you need to do the workaround. Okay, but if you're I don't yeah. want to be snotty, but you're probably up a little higher if you're worrying about SSH keys, I would I would hope. Likewise. Likewise. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. There's reasons, but yeah. Okay, yeah. good. So now so that's that's what we updated in part in installment thirty. Just that very small little paragraph just to say this is now in the Mac by default. No need to do your hackery anymore, which is great. But the biggest thing that's changed is the next logical step in this process. So I want you to put a password on your SSH identities. Sorry, the identity, just a reminder, is the combination of public and private key. Together, they are your identity. Oh, okay. So in the, okay. in, if, you do a, if you read a man page, they're not going to talk about keys. They're going to talk about identities. Okay, and that's so that, synonymous with both keys. Synonymous with the key pair, yeah. Key pair, okay, all right. Yeah. So let's, so I'm going to intermittently use those two words so that they're not alien to you. And then that way, when you're reading the docs or reading the man pages or whatever, you won't get too too thrown by that uh, difference. (laughs) I get thrown easily. So good. Yeah. So I want you to put a password on your identity. 
And I'm saying that this makes SSH both more secure and more convenient, because instead of typing in a password, you have to worry about key management and type in a password. Hang on a sec. That's not easier. That's harder, right? (laughs) Right. So that's why installment 37 exists, because there's an answer to this. It's called SSH agents. Now, when we first did this recording back in 2015, the reason seven whole installments went by between 30 and 37 was because Apple have always tweaked OpenSSH for the Mac. It, you, the version on the Mac is not the same as the as the version on Linux. And that's one of the reasons we didn't have SSH copy ID for so long. But it also comes with the advantage that Apple have added an integration between the SSH agent and the keychain in your operating system. So what exactly is the agent again? So the, okay, so I haven't, yeah, I, I was sort of, <laughs> I, we have a chicken and egg problem here because I'm trying to figure oh, okay. out how, how to, uh, in what order to explain things. But it's, right, the SSH agent's job is to remember your password safely. The, the passphrase? Yeah, thank you. Good correction. I have fixed that in the show notes so many times today while typing. <laughs> okay. Um, so the idea of the agent is it runs in RAM it never writes anything to disk, and it takes your password once. Passphrase. Thank you. It takes the passphrase from you once, and then until you log out of your Mac, it keeps the unencrypted version in RAM and automatically feeds that in every time you use your identity. Okay. Okay. So it's it just keeps you from having to type that password, so it becomes convenient. Sorry, passphrase, so that it's uh, it's that's hard. So that it it's, it's convenient and doesn't discourage you from having that passphrase. Correct. So with a pure SSH agent and nothing more, you enter your passphrase once after you boot your Mac. And then until you reboot, you don't have to worry about it again. Okay. Okay. Now, Apple make it even better than that because Apple can integrate with the keychain. So when oh, we right. first recorded... The integration with the keychain was so was on by default and so transparent that you didn't even have to know that there was such a thing as an SSH agent. What you saw as a Mac user was that the first time you tried to log into a server over SSH with the with a password protected identity, a pop-up window would come from the operating system. So you'd be jumped even though you're in the terminal typing these SSH commands, a pop-up window would come up from the operating system. Asking you for the password for the passphrase. No. The passphrase <laughs> for, for the, the identity. The identity, right. And there will be a tick box that said save in keychain. Right. And if you typed in the password, tick the tick box and hit enter, you would never, ever, 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 ever again in the history of not doing a new can pave need to type that password in again. Okay. What was happening under the hood was that actually the Mac was running an SSH agent, and when you unlock the keychain at login, it was copying from the keychain into the SSH agent. Oh, oh, okay. okay. But it was so transparent, I didn't even know that when I wrote the show notes for Installment 30. Oh, I just knew that on the Mac it worked. It was just this black magic, this box pops up, you type in your password, and you never have to do it again. Okay. 
So the original show notes for installment 37 here were still singing the praises of the old way. And the original show notes for 30 just had a little paragraph that said, and on the Mac, it just works. Now there's a paragraph saying, on the Mac, see installment 37. (laughs) (laughs) So... Apple replaced their very, very bespoke, on-by-default, unusual behavior with the standard Linux behavior, with a bonus extra, which is we still have an integration to the keychain, but it's not on-by-default. And I, I think one of the arguments against the way Apple was doing it was that it, passwords were flying over and back into your SSH agent without you doing anything without you ever having really been asked about anything. And that's very non-standard behavior. So what they've gone back to is a behavior much more in keeping with how it works in Linux. And so arguably it's simpler in the sense that it's not weird, but you do have to do a little bit of work to get the most out of the SSH agent on the Mac. So I want to... Maybe better because you are kind of forced to understand... Definitely from that point of view, I understand SSH much better because of Apple. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I was forced Maybe to. They didn't want us to take the time to learn, but you were going to learn, right? And it's actually worked out very much in my advantage because I'm now now much more at home on the Linux version of SSH because I understand agents perfectly now because the Mac isn't so different. Oh, okay. So it has had some bonus extras. Okay. So... What we learn in the normal installment, the non-supplemental installment for Taming the Terminal 37, remains correct. So when you log in, an SSH agent is started for you automatically. That's true on Linux and that's true on the Mac. And if you want to add a key, sorry, an identity, into that SSH agent, you say SSH-add space the path to the identity you want to add. It will ask you for the passphrase once, and then that passphrase is in the agent. And in fact, if you if you didn't rename your, your identity from the default, id underscore RSA, you don't even have to give a path. You just say SSH space add, hit enter, type your passphrase in once, and you're done. That, def- that default identity is now loaded into your agent, and it remains loaded until you log out of your Linux machine or Mac. Okay. Let me ask an intermediate question. Hmm. Is there any reason for a single human to have a second identity? Yes, because you may have multiple hats you wear. So so Work Bart and, and, and Podcaster Bart would have two identities? Correct. Would um, Allison have two identities so for any reason? That is actually a true statement. I do have two identities, and one of them is called ID underscore Maynooth University, and the other one is called ID underscore Bart, and I have a okay. sim link on my personal machine that sim links underscore Bart to ID underscore RSA on my work on my personal machines and ID okay. underscore Maynooth University to ID underscore RSA on my work laptop. Okay. Okay. All right. But there are machines that have both identities on them because I use them both for personal and work stuff. Okay. Because we live okay. in a funny world at the moment. <laughs> um, was, but I wouldn't need a different identity just because I had two different podcasts I was doing that I hosted on two different servers from two different companies. You wouldn't need to, but if there was a if there was another reason to, you could. Okay, all right. So, okay. and, and I do it because my work key is is used for many things. And in theory, if I, if if I lose the private key for the work identity, then I could lose it on a completely different computer. 
and I need to revoke it everywhere. But I don't want that to revoke all of the stuff I do in podcasting. Right, right. Oh, yeah, I can see I can see in your situation having separate keys. And let's say you were the boss of somebody, you would want to be able to revoke them and you wouldn't want to ruin if they quit or something like that. But you exactly, want to revoke exactly. their, their personal stuff. Yeah, exactly. So you don't want to have collateral damage. So if you have two hats, it makes sense to have two identities. Okay, good. That's what I was looking for. And so you can so you do SSH add with no arguments to add the default identity, and then SSH add with a path for the non-default identities, and just load them into your agent. And then until you reboot, no more passwords. All taken care of. Okay. Okay. And that works on the Mac, and it works on Linux. No, no difference. Exactly the same as each other. Fantastic. But on the Mac, we have a luxury. Apple have added extra functionality to SSH. Specifically, they have added two flags to the SSH add command, and they've added two config variables we'll talk about later. So let's start with the two flags they've added. So the first of the flags is the minus capital K, which I sort of interpret mentally as do it in the keychain too. Oh, okay. So... It's the exact same command you would use normally, but when you add the minus K, as well as the identity being added to the agent, the identity also gets copied to your keychain. And you only ever have to do that once. Because once it's in the keychain, it's in the keychain forever. And if you use iCloud keychain, not only do you only have to do it once on this Mac, you only have to do it once on any Mac. Right, And then that identity is in your iCloud keychain and is now happily synchronizing across all of your devices, which is really cool. So the minus K flag puts things into the keychain and it also takes things out of the keychain should you want to. So the the way it's always been a bit weird in normal non-special versions of the SSH agent, the command to remove a key from the agent is SSH-add minus d and then the path to the key <laughs> so, so you add, add but delete. i don't mean added i mean deleted yeah <laughs> and if you want to delete it from the keychain it's minus dk d uppercase k okay so delete and from the keychain too okay so that would be the same as opening the keychain and and finding it and hitting minus yes delete correct it. yes okay. correct and as a bonus tip if you want to find these keys in your keychain you can find them just fine uh, if you open the Keychain Access app, they will be named SSH colon and then the path to the file. So for me, mine is SSH colon slash users slash Bart slash dot SSH slash ID underscore or SA. Right, right. Now, I, I actually see them referenced from uh, Core Shell. Mm. So I see a core shell that's pointing at my uh, ID underscore RSA, but I also just see SSH pointing at yeah. Underscore so RSA. the SSH is the one you're affecting with the terminal. The core shell belongs okay. to the app core shell. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. My SSH keys should show up somewhere, though, also because I've got them uh, through my FTP client. And your F- no, if your, F- if your FTP client is reading them from the OS, then it won't have a separate entry. Core Shell they, doesn't use the Max version of OpenSSH. Core Shell has its own version because that way the developer of Core Shell can be ahead of the curve. So Apple is a, always a few versions behind on their OpenSSH and doesn't have all the cool shiny. So the developer of, of Core Shell actually 
compiles his own copy of OpenSSH, that's why there's another entry in the keychain. It's not you're not using okay. the Max SSH when you're using the Core Shell app. Okay. But Transmit but uses the Max SSH. So Transmit will just find your key automatically. Transmit will oh, just okay. read from your agent. Okay. Because I did a nuke and pave, I did have to go point at them. Uh, I mm-hmm. had to go find them again. Uh, actually, Transmit yes. might have done it on its own because it was yes. uh, it, uh, it syncs through iCloud. Um, and, Transmit will feeder- sync its passwords through iCloud, but Transmit, I am almost certain Transmit will just use the standard Mac OS agent. Okay. Yeah, I'm Transmit thinking that was, but I think uh, feeder, I did have to point to it. And by the way, you do have to say always allow the keychain. If you just say allow, I'm like, why does it keep asking me like seven times? I said allow. And then I finally noticed the little box that says always Always. allow. Yeah. So that's saving it to keychain when you say always alive or always allow. No, I'm sorry. It's it's approving getting it from keychain. Bing, bing, bing. Correct. So that is transmit and feeder reading from the keychain. Okay. Okay. I got you. So the minus K command is for writing for for changing the keychain. Yeah. Okay. There's an obvious need for the inverse. How do I get from the keychain into my SSH agent? Because that's where I need it to be so I don't have to type my sodding passphrase every time. Right. The second flag Apple added to their version of SSH is minus capital A for all keys from the keychain, please. If you just say SSH dash add space minus capital A, it will read all of the keys from your keychain into your agent. And there you go. You are now done. So you don't have to. So do you do that every time you uh, reboot your Mac? You could do and that would work. Okay. But remember I mentioned the config variables. Right. They are there to save you from the drudgery of having to type SSH dash add space minus capital A every time. Okay. Did I just walk into what you wanted to teach next? Yes. Perfectly. (laughs) Straight man, right? Straight woman. (laughs) Yeah. So the minus K command is for writing to the keychain and the minus capital A flag is for reading from the keychain. There are two matching config variables to automatically always do that. So... The first of them is use keychain. If you put into your SSH config file, which is tilde slash dot SSH slash config, if you put the line in there, use keychain space yes, then it's as if you always put the minus capital K flag on everything. Oh, okay. So as soon as you you SSH add a single key, it always goes to the keychain, whether or not you put the capital K in, because you've added that flag there, that command there to say, yeah, yeah, just, just write it to the keychain. If you're, if it goes to the agent, it goes to the keychain. So it just defaults to everything that you save to the agent also being saved to the keychain. So that's convenient. Okay, so the, that's the first of the two config variables. So that's replacing the minus capital K. So the second config variable allows us to automatically load everything from the keychain into the SSH agent on login. Okay. Just like the old behavior. So first we put it into the key, or we say, yes, use the keychain, And then we say, by the way, take those keys and stick them in the agent so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and do that every single time I log into my Mac. But just do it for me straight away as soon as I log in without me having to ever think about it ever again. 
And so the uh, config variable for that is add keys to agent space yes. Which does exactly what it says in the tin. Yeah, that's the keys to the agent. That's awfully uh, human readable. I find that uncomfortable, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> it is rather, isn't it? So, yeah, just add those two lines into your tilde slash that SSH slash config. And you then have perfect integration between your keychain and your SSH agent, which means you won't have to enter all those pesky passphrases ever again. So and you'll have really secure SSH. Other OSs like on Linux, would you you would write you would Big Bart would write a script or something that runs at login to do this? I would use the appropriate startup file for the shell I'm using. But the thing is I would have to always enter the password once because there's no equivalent of the keychain. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. So keychain is unique. I mean no other so, OS does that. That we know of? I, I can't promise there's none, but there's none I know of. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean I'm not accounting iOS as being different because it's 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 all Apple's core OS under the hood, right? It's all their version of BSD. Right, right. Okay. So yeah. That's pretty slick. So that is, yeah, so that basically is it. So that is our supplemental information. We now have a very nice solution on the Mac, and the show notes are much less snarky than the ones I wrote five years ago. (laughs) Six years ago. Six years. Yeah, the the previous ones, you were annoyed that we lost functionality and you had to do this folder all, and you decided it was time to to clean that up because it's actually really well done. Yeah, yeah, I, I have I have matured. I was going to say, you're not mellowing, are you, Bart? I'm becoming a Microsoft fan. I'm so much mellower than old me. Old me would think new me was such an idiot. <laughs> well, that's okay, because new you thinks old you was an idiot, too, so that's fair. Yeah, you're right, actually. The feeling is quite mutual. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, I like uh, that we've we've always said that there was going to be updates, and uh, I think you've got some other uh, some other updates in the um, in the back catalog coming up eventually, right? There are. Oh, this is definitely an ongoing series. Well, it is. It's a, it's of indeterminate length and of indeterminate frequency, but there is absolutely positively more terminal to be tamed, and we shall do it together in the future. Sounds good, Bart. We'll talk to you again soon. Indeed. And until then, happy computing. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad-supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says Support the Show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other NoSilla Castaways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack. Or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.